The enemy desires us to think that without him we can do something. As a matter of fact, the enemy wants us to think without him we can do anything. And the tragedy is many people think that they can run their lives without him. Without him. Now, at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's easy to look at, you know, there are atheists that they look like in this world they're doing great. There are agnostics that could, you know, buy us and sell us and, and some of them, their families are fine. But we have to understand that, the, that God's word is speaking about his will. And God's word ties into his will for our destination. So when, when God is saying, for without me, you can do nothing, he's speaking from the standpoint of our eternal good, our eternal good. So we must live for God connection and we must move away from anything that seeks to move us away from him. We, we need to establish God, God connection. There, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people that even uh, have been born again. There are a lot of people that, that are apostolic people, but they're not connected to God. They're not, they at one time were connected to God. We, uh, last week I was ministering at a place and, uh, and there was a man in the in the church that has a private plane, and and one day we took just a little a little trip, and they put me up in the co-pilot seat because they you know they just thought I needed to see all that, and uh, and so he was explaining all of these instruments and all this, and I was you know I was trying to grasp it all. I've been in several little planes like that, but uh, this one was a little different. And then and then he just started setting some things, and he said now. Now I just hit autopilot and I can take my hands off. And if I wanted it to, it would even land us. I wouldn't even have to put my hands back on it. And uh, so he just takes his hand off and now we're just talking. And, and we're, you know, flying, I think, at 12,000 feet and we're just talking. Well, in our walk with God, there is no autopilot button. There is no autopilot. Um, there is no good, now I got this. As long as we are flesh. We, we, had, a, uh, we had a great service Sunday morning here, and we had a great service Sunday night. And I, I left Sunday night after a very full day only to battle the enemy. Anybody else? Autopilot does not work. There, there will not be a time that we can say, I got this. Have you, ever, have you ever had such a powerful Sunday and then you were just frustrated on Monday? It's like, well, it shouldn't be like this. Well, it, it just shouldn't be like this. I, I thought I handled all of, this, all of this Sunday. Well, you know, the enemy is going to engage us continually. We, we are in a fight. And we have to have that mentality in your notes. God must be our basic, main, major, chief, key, foremost, core, central, highest, leading, prime, principal, primary life issue. And you can add any other adjective that you want to the side. But we have to understand that God is our God is everything to us and we live for God connection. I can't get too sidetracked here because we've got a lot to cover, but we have to understand that even in, in our family connections, if, if what, whatever position you are in your family, father, mother, uh, you know, uh, husband, wife, what, whatever, our primary role is to be connected to God and to help everybody else in our family be connected to God any way we can. That, that is our role. So uh, why don't we look in our notes? God is. Let's just, let's just take it from the beginning of mankind and let's remember that God is our creator. Our creator. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now, I know this is not a lesson on the oneness, but, you know, a lot of people read Genesis one twenty six, and they never read Genesis one twenty seven, because God made man in his image, and there's not two of me walking around or three of me, uh, even, even twins, even identical twins uh, do not have the same will, do not have the same uh, personalities, and all of these kinds of things. But the, but what I'm, what I'm bringing that verse in for is that God is our creator. Acts seventeen twenty eight. for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. No one understands something like the creator. No one. If you build something, you're going to know more about it. If you create something, your, if, if you envision it and you create it, you are going to know more about it. God is our creator. I know, I assume I have said this before here because I say it so, so often. It's why people fight against the creator. I just, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm, and I'm not talking right now to, to people that are not here. I'm talking why born again people fight against the Creator. We must position ourselves to where we understand He is our Creator, and so we are about what the Creator thinks about us and how He wants to use us. So He is our Creator. We also need to understand, be in your notes, He's our source. Now, this this is a... this. This takes major faith to live like this. This does not excuse us from planning well, working hard, budgeting, and all these things. It does not excuse us, but we need to understand that He is our source. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, and I don't know about you, but I mean, I have quite an imagination. I can definitely ask a lot of things. I can definitely think a lot of things, but He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all of that, obviously according to the power that works in us. Why don't you think right now of a time when God supplied your need in a miraculous manner? Can, can you get that in your mind, that God supplied your need in a miraculous manner? I'm not going to call on anybody, but if I was to say, who could tell me something, how many of you could, would you raise your hand? That's right. God, because God is our source. As I was studying this, my mind started moving on what all he is our source of. And this won't even uh, scratch the surface, but let's, let's consider a few things here to just get our mind thinking. He is our source of gifting. Our source of gifting. We are all gifted people. Every one of us. I wish that we could get I wish everyone could gain a revelation of that. Uh, so many people are taking a beating because they feel that the person that they see in the mirror is worthless. Uh, I've often challenged people, never say a thing about yourself that God is not saying about you. We are all gifted. Every, every one of us are. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 talks about the body of Christ, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We are a part of the body of Christ. We are gifted and we are valuable. You say, well, that's so easy for you to say because you live in another world than what I live in. We have unique gifting, 
And the reason why it's unique is because it's of God. God created you in a way, you have a favorite color. You know, there are some things you like and some things you don't like. Uh, God, God, God gifted us. God put that passion in you. you. There are some people that, that like to do this, and they bring this to the body, and they bring that to the body, and, they, and you know, they're part of this. And, and we, we get into such a problem when, when we start elevating and comparing giftings. It hurts the body. It, it, hurts, it hurts us. We are gifted by God, and so we should not compare our gifting. We should develop our gifting by use, whatever it is. I just, I just wish people could get a revelation of what they are gifted in, breathe real good, and just start using their gifting and then trust the rest of the body. No, nobody is the whole body. We're all, we're, but we're a gifted member of the body. And, and what the enemy loves to do, the enemy loves to convince you that what you have to give is not worth giving. And so you'll just, you'll just hold it. No, he's the source of our gifting. He knows what he put in you. I'm, I'm just finally getting to learn some people, and it'll, it'll take me forever to even know your names. I'm trying hard, but that isn't, I was not gifted with a great memory, okay? All right, so I'm having to work on I don't know what your, gifting, what your giftings are. People close to you do, but one of the greatest days well, what did the one person say? Said, uh, say there, there's there's um, two or three great days in your life. That the, the the oh three great days in your life. The day you were born, the day you were born again, and the day you realized why you were born. And if if you can get if you can get those three, and just embrace your gifting because God is the source of our gifting. Number two, he's the source of our confidence. Confidence. Now, this world, this world is very good at beating the confidence out of you. Beating the confidence out of us because there's, there's no way you can keep up. There's no way. Because every, you know, the advertisers, and, and the, you know, the, the, the materialistic part of the world and all, they thrive by changing the game often. How many of you men have ties in your closet right now that you're not wearing right now because they're out of style? Any, anybody? Yeah. You know, there's just some, but there was one day that they were in style, Right. Who knows? They, they, it may, the reason why we don't throw them away is because we're thinking that it might come back in style, but they're, but they're messing with us in a major way because I think they just, they space this stuff out so far to where they win. How many of you ladies have some things in your closet now you're just not wearing because they're just, they're just not, you know, they're just not, yeah, okay. Right. Oh, uh oh, uh oh. Was that a man that said that? You, what, you know, you said that? Okay, good. Wow, I thought it was one of those men uh, sitting by you that said too little, and I thought, man, they're living dangerously. They, they, uh, they're either confident or stupid, and there's a fine line some, sometime but between that. It's, it's our source of confidence, Philippians 4 and 13. He is our source of confidence. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Our connection with him is what should feed our confidence. We, we must not boast regarding us. We boast in him. I'm talking about confidence. I believe that, that children of God should be confident. 
Now, there's no way that we're going to walk in confidence if, if we're trying to be something we're not intended to be. But if, if we will flow in our, in our God wiring and we will know that, that, that he is our source of confidence, then we will be able to be confident. You know, I know that you can be around some people and some people can boost your confidence. There are other people that absolutely destroy your confidence. Uh, if you can not hang around them, then it's advisable not to hang around them. You say, but they're inside my house. Well, that, that's a major issue when, when that happens. That's, 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 that's a problem. We need to be people that, that help people's confidence grow, and we can unless we're arrogant, self-centered people killers, which there's plenty of those in, in, this, in this world. But there are people that have built my confidence, and I like being around them, but I cannot, I cannot see them as my ultimate source of, of a confidence builder. God is our source. Now, I do feel that there is one verse, and this is not in your notes because it just uh, hit me about an hour or so ago. I think that everyone needs to learn this as a personal memory verse, and it's Proverbs 27 and 2. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. I'll, I'll tell you a good way to destroy people's confidence around you is always bringing the subject back to you. You know, somebody says something, but then you've, you know, you've, have, you, have you ever been around somebody that, that they are a master at the one up? It, it doesn't matter what you say. If, if you said, I went fishing and I caught a whale, they would come back with, oh man, I remember that one day that I was fishing and I caught a whale and there was a whale uh, uh, hooked on to that whale's tail. Yeah, have you have you been around those? Always, always one up. It's a good practice. I'm, I'm talking about confidence. That ultimately, he is our source of confidence. But we can help. We do not have to be people that destroy people's confidence. And and when when the the spotlight gets shine uh, shown on someone, um, even if if you did catch a bigger fish. Or even if you did do something better than that, how about just going ahead, going ahead and going through the pain of biting your tongue? And just let, let people enjoy something. Oh, I'm meddling now, aren't I? It destroys confidence. But, but ultimately, we have to get to where, yes, I'm drawn to people that, that build my confidence. I'm, I'm, I try to build people's confidence, but ultimately, ultimately, God is our source. And it's, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'm talking about our source. Number three, he's our source of peace. Quit expecting people to bring you peace. Now, we need to help. We absolutely need to help. But do not look for people to bring you peace. Philippians 4 and 7. And the peace of God, and I love this, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God which passes anything that you can understand or I can understand. I, I have gone through things that have been very, very hard for me, but, but I was not shaken down to my core because of the peace of God that really passed anything that I could understand. In pastoring, I have dealt with people that have gone through horrendous things. And it's, and it's something when, when some people's faith is shaken and other people's faith is not shaken. I'm talking about God being our source of peace.
that can give us peace that we can't even understand. He gives peace that doesn't make any sense. It literally passes understanding like the word says. And so here's, here's the problem that a lot of people step into is they hit a storm and they move away from God. They hit a storm and they move away from the church. They, they hit a storm and they move away from people of God. I don't know if it's, you know, because they're embarrassed because of the storm. I, you know, I don't, we all like to be in control. And I promise you, I like it a whole lot better when I'm helping somebody instead of whenever I have to have help. So I understand all of that. But, you know, it's just not wise to run out into the middle of a field during a thunderstorm. It's not wise. It's wise to get, to, to get some shelter. Uh, you don't have hurricanes up here. I, I dealt with that in Louisiana. Becky uh, lived closer to them than I did, but we got the effects of those. How about tornadoes? Do I have to watch for tornadoes up here? I do. That's bad. Um, you know, if a, if a tornado is coming, you don't need to run outside. And so when the storm comes in our lives, we should move even closer to him, not away. When a storm is coming in our, your life, in our life, that's not the time to, to say, well, obviously you don't care, so forget you. It, it's not, it's not time to move away until I got to get some things figured out. I'll talk to you later. No, no. He is our, he is our source of peace. Our source of peace. If we're looking for it in other places, we just will not find it. He's also number four, our source of completion. And this, this is big. We, we need a revelation of this. Colossians two and 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in him, not them. Who is him? God. Who are them? You and me. You're not complete in me. Uh, um, you're not going to complete me, and I'm not going to complete you. Husbands and wives can't complete each other. You say, well, now the wife is the completer. Study all that out. I understand what that means. But our ultimate completeness, Melanie will not complete me. My kids will not complete me. My three brothers will not complete me. My, my mother will not complete me. The pastor will not complete me. My friends will not. You do not look for completion in a human. Oh, if I could just be accepted. Okay, accepted, acceptance helps, but acceptance is not completion. I can accept you, and that helps, but I cannot complete you. And there are people that are putting serious pressure on human relationships because they are expecting completion, and completion only comes from God. You cannot get from a human what can only come from God. And when you expect from a human what can only come from God, you will crash human relationships. I don't have time to, to dive off into all this, but this is the reason why my, my major role in my marriage is to make sure Melanie has time to spend with God. As a husband, that is my number one role as a husband, is to make sure she has time. Now, I can't make her spend time with God. Thank God I have a wife that actually wants to spend time with God every day. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Uh, you, you, you husbands that have wives that don't want to spend time with God and you wives that have husbands that don't want to spend time with God, uh, may God help you and the best one win. I don't know what's going to happen with you. You're just, you're in trouble. I mean, you're in serious, serious trouble. But my, my role is to make sure she has time with God. Why? Because I cannot complete her. I, I cannot. And there are people 
that are expecting from humans. Oh, let me go ahead and jump off on this one. There are people expecting from the church what the church cannot give. What the church cannot give. There are people expecting from brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, if, if they would just this or that, no, no, it's, you know, it's, we are completed by Him. We are completed in Him. We are complete in Him. We need to have a loving church. I got all that. Believe me, I understand all that so clear. But we got to get this thing right. If something happened to where we could not meet together as a church, and if something happened to where they were monitoring us inside our homes, and if we had prayer inside our homes, that we would be arrested. Guess what? That's, that's the kind of connection right there that we really need to be starting with. What, what would it be like with just me and God, period? I'm talking about God connection. David, David faced a, a, a serious time, a serious, serious time. You know, he had taken that band of, of men in debt and, and defeated, and their attitude just messed up men and turned them into a mighty fighting army that was feared. And, and what happened? Then he made a decision, and in, in all of their wars, that then they personally lost major in their family and all. And what did they do? They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. And what did he do? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He had nobody else helping him. And, and again, when I talk like this, I'm, I'm serious about we need a loving church and, and all of that. And we'll probably talk about that at some point. We need that. But we've got to be able to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We've got to be able to, we've got to understand that we are complete in him, not somebody else. I, I wish that everybody had a good experience every time they came on the church campus. But unfortunately, that's not what always happens. We've got to know where our help comes from, and we've got to know where our completion comes from. So there are many things that, that God is, but I feel that those four areas are a great area to start focusing on that He is our source of gifting, confidence, peace, and completion. But then we, we're talking about God. Let her see we go to how he is always present. He's always present. Hebrews 13 and 5, such a powerful word. Of course, it all is. But I, I love what this says. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Now, when it's speaking about conversation in the word of God, it's not only speaking about our verbal words. It's speaking about our life. Life action. Conversation is speaking of life. So let your conversation be without covetousness. You, you know, let's, let's get out of covetousness. Uh, quit, quit getting all concerned about, you know, that somebody has, you think they have a better marriage, you think they have a better family. Uh, they may obviously have a better vehicle or house or whatever, but you know, somebody's always got something better than somebody else. So it's saying, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. Contentment is a huge principle in the Word of God, and we need to learn it. Paul, Paul said uh, in another place, I have what? Learned. I have learned contentment. We have to learn contentment. Contentment does not come automatically because the world we live in is continually trying to convince us we are less unless we have more. And Paul is saying, I have learned contentment, and contentment is something that we need to learn. We, we, need, we need to enroll ourselves in that class. Of contentment and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we need to start living with the understanding that he's always with us. 
His Spirit is always with us. Therefore, we don't need to think and act and speak as though He is absent. He's, he's not absent. Let's not live as if we have to carry our load alone. His Word says, cast your cares on what? On me. For He cares. For He cares. Before you tell everybody else about your cares, tell him. Tell him. A lot of the people that we're telling about our cares, they can't do anything anyway. You know, let's, let's start with him. And let's not live as if our Heavenly Father is not aware of us or our needs. He knows our needs before we even ask, but He tells us to bring our needs to Him. He's there. He's also all-powerful. We're talking about God connection, and I'm going to end the lesson with, with some weapons of connection. But let's first talk about uh, who we're needing to be connected to, and some of his attributes. D, all-powerful, Revelation 19 and 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Omnipotent, all-powerful, all-sovereign. Able to do, talking about a bio, here, now here's a bio. He's able to do whatever, whenever, however. That's, that's, what, that's what he's able to do. Whatever, whenever, however. Have you, have, you ever, um, have you ever had situations happen in your life and, and you're, you're really under pressure? You're like under pressure in a major way. And then all of a sudden it works out. And then you start learning about the backside of everything and how this happened and that happened and this connected to this and this connected to this. And all of a sudden, you know, there it was. That's God. You say, no, it's not. It's coincidence. No, that's God. He's all powerful. He's he's absolutely all powerful. We uh, we do. We've been connected with the Philippines for several years Watching my time here, I wasn't intended on telling this story, but let me just give you the short version of a long story. Um, we were on our 20th anniversary over in Hawaii, and two days before our 20th anniversary, our friends that we were over there with, Jeff and uh, Brenda Mallory, uh, Jeff's father, uh, Gordon Mallory, was instrumental um, in, in just a lot of the revival over all the years in the Philippines. Well, they were pastoring in Maui, and, uh, and so we were over there for our anniversary, and two days before our anniversary, um, Sister Mallory was supposed to speak at a women's conference in the Philippines, and Brother Mallory was so sick that, that she could not leave him. And so two days before our anniversary, they pick us up to eat, we're going to go eat, and they had this funny look on their face, and they said... Um, we're going to ask you something. You don't have to do this, but we still need to ask you, Melanie, will you leave tomorrow and go to the Philippines and do that, that uh, women's conference? And so we kind of looked at each other, and both of us just felt a witness of the Spirit. Yeah, she's supposed to go, you know. So, so we turn everything around real quick, and, and so our anniversary is over before it got there. And... Um, and she gets on a plane, and she goes, and she ministers at that, at that conference. And so uh, it, was, it was great. It was just, a, you know, a lot of wonderful things happened. So they're taking her back to the airport, and this lady that's driving her says, I'd like to show you our church. And so they go into this resettlement village, um, uh very poverty-stricken and and they go into the church, and when the pastor's wife saw Melanie walk in, she she was just visibly shaken. And the story is, is that is that a considerable amount of time before the women's conference, like I want to say a month, 
a month or more. God gave this pastor's wife a vision of, of Melanie and what Melanie was wearing when she walked in to speak that first night and said, this lady is going to come and she's going to connect with you and this church. Well, she goes to the conference. There was no way she could get to Melanie. It never happened, and she left devastated. And then she's there working in their church, cleaning it up after the conference is over, after she had already gone home, and Melanie walks in to that church. God. I mean, all the way down to the skirt Melanie was wearing, the blouse she was wearing, and the big old flower, colors and all. God showed her. Before we even, we even knew. See, God is all-powerful. All-powerful. And, and we must not limit Him in our thinking. All right, we got to move. You're probably saying, well, that's up to you, not us. Uh, number two, the battle for connection. The battle for connection. There is a reason why God connection is a battle. Have you, have you realized that in your life, that when you commit to spending more time with God, um, isn't it something that things just seem to ramp up in one way or another to try to keep us from that? We will never casually or accidentally increase our time with God. You do not casually spend more time with God. You do not accidentally spend more time with God. You do not accidentally get closer to God. You do not accidentally gain more knowledge of the Word. You don't. It is intentional. God connection is very, it must be very intentional because there is a battle in this arena. In your notes, we desire God connection and the enemy desires God disconnection. Now, you can believe that the enemy would love for every one of us to just do something major to where we just mess our lives up and we're just gone. But if he can't cause that to happen, then all he has to do is help us disconnect from God. I can tell you right now, if you've not had, if you've not taken the time to connect with God today, that, that was a big mistake. Now, you're correcting it by being here tonight. That, that helps because we've, we've had worship and we've had prayer and we're talking about His Word. But the enemy is about God disconnection. It's kind of like that story that those two guys were out hunting a bear and they saw a bear and, the, and, uh, and they thought that the bear was going to, to start you know, coming after them. And one of them said, uh, you, you cannot outrun that bear. And he, to that, he said, no, but I can outrun you. You, you know, it's not about outrunning that bear. All I got to do is outrun you. Well, I can tell you this, the enemy would love to have us out of the church, away from the body of Christ, but will settle for us to be faithful and disconnected. In your notes, disconnection leads to deception and destruction. That's what it leads to. Spend time, and please don't do this. Hopefully you'll just know this from your past. But if you spend time out of God's Word and you spend time um, away from talking to Him, the longer that goes, the more differently you think. Talk Well, this is the reason why I, I tell people the last two years that I pastored, I finally had it right on how to pastor. And, uh, and what I would do is, is, now not new people, I wouldn't do this to new people, but people that, that have been born again and been in the church for a long time and all, all that, um, when, I, when they would come in to talk to me, the first thing that I would want to know is, is 
what is your daily God connection? And I would ask them that. If it was a couple, I'd start with a man. And if somebody started squirming, I didn't save them. I just let them squirm. Because I finally became convinced that unless they were connected to God, I really could not help them. I started looking at people in our church and saying, look, now, now in this, when we're talking right here, what do you want? Do you want to feel good for 30 minutes or do you want life change? Because now, as many years as I've been in it, I can go whichever way you want. I can make you feel good for 30 minutes or we can talk about real life change. So what do you want? Well, that was really a setup because nobody was going to look at me and say, well, just make me feel good. I really don't want to change the situation at all. The enemy is just about God disconnection. That's it. Because if we are disconnected from God, we're on the road to self-destruction. You, you can't New Year's resolution this thing. That all sounds good, but this is about God connection. And so since God connection is our greatest need, then God disconnection is his greatest goal. So the truth is the enemy only has two weapons against us, and that is to bluff us or deceive us. If, if he could overpower us, it would be over. We wouldn't be here tonight. So all he can do is bluff us or deceive us. And so you can believe that, that the bluffing is a big deal. You'll, you'll never get over this. You'll, you, you know, you'll, you'll never get, get over this. You'll never get over this. Or deceive us. Deceive us into eating the fruit. Whatever the fruit is. Bluff and deceive is all he can do. And it's all about disconnecting us from God. Because we started off in John 15. If we don't abide. If we don't abide in him. Then we can do what? Nothing. Nothing. So let's talk about some battle lines. Some battle lines. I'll pick up the speed here a little bit. Some battle lines. The enemy can only fight us where we are. And so each growth step. Each step that we grow, each growth step literally just draws another battle line. So the enemy just changes strategy based on our growth. So I think the first battle line is salvation. Salvation, letter A. I do not have a scripture reference uh, on that one for a reason. Let me just explain it here. The goal is for us to never obey full truth, and be born again. The war is for keeping people thinking that a step in salvation is full salvation. Are we understanding this battle line? It's a huge battle line today. Conception is not birth. Somebody believing on Jesus Christ is absolutely wonderful. Somebody putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Somebody saying, I accept him as my Lord and Savior. That is wonderful. But conception is not birth. And so that's where we look at the full plan of salvation, of grace and faith and confession and repentance and baptism and the baptism in water uh, by immersion in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and endurance. The enemy prefers us to be atheist or agnostic, but will settle for us stopping anywhere short of being born again. And we have to understand that. Obeying part of the plan of salvation is fine with the enemy. Being thoughtful and kind and loving is not the plan of salvation. Being good is not obeying the plan of salvation. But they give their life to help the less fortunate. And, and they're some of the most loving people in this world. That's not the plan of salvation. It's wonderful. But it's not the plan of salvation. And I promise you, this is a major battle line. 
a major battle line. And then B, faithfulness is another major battle line, being faithful to your walk with God, faithful to the body of Christ. Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make the ruler over many things, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So we see in Matthew 25, 21, that it's not enough. Again, it's not enough just to be good. It's well done, thou good and faithful. We also see, letter C, here's another battle line that's useful. Useful. Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is the reference in your notes. I'm not going to read all of that, but it's the story of the talents. I, I use that reference only because of the story of the five, two, and one talent. <coughs> it's it's about being useful. We have to understand revelation of God gifting and the road to being useful in the kingdom of God is this. Please write this in the margin. Here is the road to being useful in the kingdom of God. Let me give you three three words to write in the margin. Accepting, accepting, equipping, releasing. Accepting, equipping, releasing. This is very key in becoming useful in the kingdom of God. We must accept God's gifting, and we must equip God's gifting in us. It would be good if we would all remember that God gave us trees, not two-by-fours. God gave us, He created trees. But now, what are we going to do with those trees? And so that's, that's where equipping comes in, that we must bring to maturity the gift that God gave us and then releasing our God gifting. It would be like, you know, some people are like hunters that, that will never pull the trigger. You know, ready, aim, 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 aim. And then leave and come back and ready, aim, aim, aim. And, then, uh, and that's what a lot of people do with their, with their gifting. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to. Ready, going to, going to, going to, going to, going to, going to. And it's like, you know, that's the same thing on the people hunting. Ready, aim, aim, aim. I mean, that... At some point, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's get involved here. Quit waiting. You, you know, quit waiting. You're never going to be good enough at something until you start having a lot of practice with it. And if, if we could ever get to the point, if we could ever get to the point spiritually like we were naturally learning to swim or riding a bicycle without training wheels... If we could ever pull back into that kind of a mentality, it, it would be amazing what would happen to the church. And then D, focus. Focus. But, uh, you know, I'm talking battle lines right now. Focus. Luke 10, 40 through 42. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. It came to, and came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Uh, bid her, therefore, that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part, and it won't be taken away from her. Uh, winning the war on focus demands limiting our options. This is so unpopular in 2019. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying things now that some people around the nation and the world are looking at me like I'm crazy. But I, I've just seen enough. I've just seen enough. You're trying to do too much. You're just trying to do too much. I mean, my goodness. And I have been so guilty of, of just amassing too much stuff that has, then you got to take care of it. You know, I mean, you, you, can, you can literally five minute, 10 minute, 15 minute, 30 minute, 40 minute yourself crazy. And so, we're going to have to focus because it's a major, major battle line now. Uh, I know this is extreme, but I, I thought it was a pretty neat story. Steve Jobs, um, do you remember all those pictures? Him, what, what did Steve Jobs usually have on? 
Uh, what was that? A black turtleneck. Like, I mean, like all the time. Black pants, black shoes, black turtleneck. You know why? You know why that genius dressed like that? Because he said, you only have enough power in a day to make so many decisions, and I'm not wasting any of my power on what I'm going to wear. You say, whoa, you know, that would never work for me. Well, okay, maybe the issue won't work, but the principle is a powerful principle. And, you know, go ahead and wear something different if you want to wear something different, but you can believe your mind just cannot keep bouncing everywhere. And, and you be and you be effective. Another one is in endurance. It's 731. I will be done at 740. Everybody okay? Endurance. Make no mistake about it. The enemy wants to take us out. Second Timothy 2 and 3. Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. Endure hardness. Endure and soldier are major words. Look, don't let people affect you negatively. Don't, don't let, don't let a human pull the pilot factor on you. The pilot factor was this. He let the people decide for him what he did with Jesus. Don't, don't let that happen. It, it doesn't matter what people say or what they do. And, and listen, this is going to sound ugly, but here it is anyway. There's just sometimes you have to ignore some people in the church. Hate it. It shouldn't be that way. Don't let a human affect your worship. Don't let a human affect your attendance. Because when you let a human move you away from worship or the house of God or a relationship with God, you just made them more powerful than God. I'm not, now I'm not, you know, I'm not saying pick a fight and, and you know, all that with everybody, but there, there's just some people you got to learn to ignore. First Peter 4 and 12, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. I'm talking about endurance, and then F, fruitful, a major battle line, fruitful. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Um, there is a major battle line to keep us from being fruitful. That's, that's reproducing. I loved what I saw. That was so neat Sunday night, Sister Wallace, when you gave that, uh, certificate to her, and then who who was baptizing? I haven't learned what you got. Oh, you baptized her. That's what Sunday night. That, I mean, okay, there it is. That's that's what we're that's what we're talking about right here. And these are battle lines. The enemy does not want this God connection. Battle lines, salvation, faithfulness, useful, focus, endurance, fruitful. If you get a chance sometime during the week, look back over these. Now I have six minutes to finish weapons of connection. Weapons of connection. Weapons of connection. Number one, A, rather, the Word. The Word. You're never going to be connected to God unless you're serious about the Word of God. And you may have to quit reading some other things, and you may have to turn some phones off or, or quit surfing the Internet or whatever. It doesn't matter. At some point, we just got to realize, you know, I challenge people that the first thing that you read every day is, is the Bible. You don't read something. You don't read a text. You don't read email. You don't read a paper. Uh, and I'll tell you, just, just immerse yourself in news and, and all that. Just, just go ahead to your own risk. Uh, my goodness, it's just, who's telling the truth? What's, it's just a bunch of spin. It's, it's a bunch of emotion. It's a bunch of working people up. I mean, I know that we don't need to just have our head in the sand. I've, I, I totally understand that. But it's out of control. It's nuts. 
We, we've got to get to the Word of God. Let that be the filter that everything else run, runs on. For in Hebrews 4 and 12, it says, The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Listen, you get into the Word of God. I was reading some things in Proverbs this morning that just absolutely pierced me. That, that's, what, that's what the Word of God will do. And my, my, if Jesus himself is going to fight the enemy saying, it is written, it is written, it is written, who are we to think we'll even get to first base without being connected to God through his Word? And then his name, B, name. First Samuel seventeen forty five. Let's take an Old Testament scripture here. David to to Goliath, thou comest to me with thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of our ar- the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. We don't have time to get into this. This is not part of the lesson. But I love what all David said to that giant. This is what I'm going to do to you. This is what's going to happen. I mean, well, why could he do that? Because he was coming in his name. Right in the margin, please, Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17. This scripture is, is more, uh, this scripture doesn't just uh, speak of baptism, it speaks of life. And whatsoever you do in word or do, deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Word and deed is life, giving thanks to him. See, prayer. Philippians 4 and 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. D, fasting. Fasting. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Acts 13, 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. Let, let me say this quickly as I am moving very quickly. This church is blessed to have a senior pastor that is so focused on fasting. I don't know, I don't know too many senior pastors that fast any more than, than our pastor here. Well, what's, you know, so what's so big about that? What's so big about that is, is fasting kills the flesh, kills the flesh, kills the flesh. And the more you kill the flesh, the more you can hear what the spirit is saying. And so if you're having to make a major decision or if you're having uh, major issues in your life, you need direction on. I just say uh, it's probably a good time. Quit eating. One man came and told me one time, he said, Pastor, I need to make a major decision. I said, okay. He said, how long uh, do you think I should fast? I said, uh, to make the decision that you're getting ready to make? And he said, yeah. I said, the one that's going to affect the direction of your family for a while? He said, yeah. I said, you probably ought to drink water until the room's spinning and you're laying across your bed and, and you think you're about to die because then your flesh will be dead enough that you can hear what the Spirit is saying. Fasting is about killing the flesh. And then blood and testimony, Revelation twelve eleven. they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony, they loved not their lives unto death. And then F, assembly, assembly. Hebrews ten twenty five. not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So you can, you can believe that the enemy is trying to disconnect you from the church body. I have one minute left. I'll use it like this. I was, uh, I've been blessed to, to be able to go on a safari when we were ministering in Africa. And if, if you can see a lion uh, slipping up to a herd, uh, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be able to see that live, which we have a couple of times, and, and what, what those lions will do is they want to spook the herd and then zero in on the one that moves away from the herd. In all of the confusion, you know, the ones that are running tight with the herd, they're in good shape. But the one that gets outside of the herd that's the one that the, the predator will go for. Even when things are going crazy, don't separate yourself from the house of God. Don't separate yourself from the house of God. Don't do it. It's 740 and I'm trying not to be a liar. Can we all stand? God connection. God 
connection. Can we close our eyes and lift our hands to heaven? And let's talk to him just a moment. God, we come to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you have given us what we need in direction to be connected with you. I pray against anything that would be disconnecting any of your people. We pray against it. We pray we will move toward connecting with you in a greater way as each day moves forward. Bless these people. Give them wisdom. Provide for their needs. Let them draw close to you where they can hear what the Spirit is saying. Let it be done in Jesus' name. And can the church shout amen?